Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Pump day. And of course, good morning, Toronto. Hey. It's Wednesday, now? middle of the week. How you guys feeling out there? How you feeling? Um, I'm good. I'm a little sluggish. I went for a long walk yesterday in Brooklyn, but mm-hmm. uh, I was at uh, this restaurant called Tilly's. I went to go get some takeout while I was there. And you know, in, in Brooklyn, well, in New York, they've been doing drinks to go. So right. I had this little wine drink. And I think I haven't been drinking that much, so Got I had one fast. of those. Yeah. Out. out and about. All right, well, um, shout to Revolt. Yesterday I was on Revolt. Uh, they were talking about, uh, let me get the, the correct, Beyond Black and Blue. Uh, so they were talking to me and another uh, lady, I can't remember her name, and they were just talking about the police and what we feel the police should be doing, and they were just asking my opinion, what my dad said. Of course, my dad is a retired police officer, and I, I, you know, we were just going through you know, how I was raised uh, as a son of a cop and what my dad said about police, and I've said it up here a million times. My, you know, my dad's number one thing is the police are not your friends. Uh, you don't say anything. Keep your mouth shut. Uh, uh, you know, um, you can always call a lawyer. You can always call your, your, you know, your, your parents, but you never say anything. You know, don't try to weasel your way out of a, a, a situation. Just shut the f up, as my dad would always say. And the second thing my dad would always say is you got to make it home. Uh, I always talk about, you know, I used to be, uh, you know, when I used to give, I get, I used to get pulled over a lot, um, and. One time when I got pulled over, my dad was on a speakerphone and I was being an ass to the cop because the cop was being an ass to me. And I could just hear my dad yelling, screaming, just give him your license and registration. Just give him your license and effing registration. So when the cop left, my, my dad was like, look, doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. Yes, he's absolutely wrong. But at the end of the day, I need you to come home. I need you to make it home. You can't beat him in the street. You can We can beat him when you get home. But you can't beat him in the street. And that just stuck with me. And I tell that to my kids. I mean, it's, you know, it's not right. But at the end of the day, I want my kids to make it home. You know, so. I mean, that's we great talked advice. about that last the night only, on the vote. Yeah, that's great advice. The only sad part is we've seen people uh, be polite to police and comply with police. And still, still not make it home. getting killed or getting beat up or brutalized. So, I mean, it's like, I, I, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you damned don't. If you I don't, don't think that the community... I don't think the community's relationship, the black community's relationship, will never be a solid relationship with the police until there is an overwhelming amount of people from our community that are police officers. I actually think that should be one of the um, community policing incentives. Like, they should have financial incentive for people who grew up in a certain neighborhood who decide to go into law enforcement and come back and police said neighborhood. 
I yeah, think they, and, should, they, they should have a financial incentive to do that. Absolutely. We also spoke, you know, growing up in Queens, I was like, you know, it was more community. I, I remember there was a kid on our block, uh, and, I, and I talk about this, you know, he had Down syndrome, and we called him the E kid, because all he said was E, E, E. And I remember there was an incident one time with the police, and my dad was there, and the police came, and if my dad wasn't there, I don't know what would happen to that kid, because he was he had Down syndrome, he was aggressive, but my dad knew him, so when the cops came, my dad was like, nah, I got this. I, I, I got this. I, I got this. And my dad was able to call his mom and call his pop and de-escalate the situation because he knew the community. He knew the kid. You know what I mean? Yep. But if it would have been anybody else, they wouldn't have known it. They wouldn't have known what was going on. If he would attack, they might have shot him. So, we, like you said, yeah, we absolutely positively need more of that in the community. And, you know, my dad is a, is a Queens head. He's from originally from Brooklyn, but when we moved to Queens... That's his block. He's not going nowhere. He knows everybody on the block. He knows the kids on the block. Yep. He knows the elderly people on the block. It's it's that which is what he does. Yeah, you know, my, my my um homeboy who's a cop. He asked me yesterday. He said, "How long do I think um cops should be in training?" And I said, "It depends." I said, "You know, if 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 it depends on the the, play, the, the uh, community they're policing. If they're right. training a community that they're not from, they don't have no you know experience with. The training should be longer. If they're going to be policing in a community that they know, the training should be shorter. That's, right. just, that's just my personal opinion. And, and, you feel, and you feel a little different when your family's in that community. Like, like, like is my dad going to do something foul in the community when I'm running around playing as a kid? No, he, he's, he protects no. that community. He knows his kids, his kids, his kids' friends. So we talked about that last night on Revolt. Very great conversation. So shout out to uh, Ebony K. Williams, Diddy, Sharice, and everybody on the Revolt team. Appreciate you guys. All right. Okay. Now, we got a, a special guest joining us uh, this morning. Yee did a one-on-one uh, -on -one with this uh, young yes. lady. Uh, uh, Sil Abrams. Yeah, Sil Lai Abrams. So uh, you want to explain to the people who Sil is, Yee? Yes, yeah, Sil Lai is a woman who is, she's an author and she's an activist. And she is also one of the women who was featured on On the Record. That is the documentary about Russell Simmons with the women who are accusing him of rape and sexual assault. And she's one of the women that's featured on there. And she's told her story before the documentary. And she's told her story in books that she's authored, but not said his name until a couple of years ago. She has said who the person is. And so we'll get into what made her come forward, what made her say uh, the person who assaulted her is Russell Simmons and say his name and also why she participated in this documentary, what has been the response since then and why women's voices need to be heard and uplifted. Okay. All right, so we'll, we'll uh, speak with her a little bit later. But now we got front page news. What are we talking about? Well, since we talked about the police, let's talk about this police, uh, this executive action signing that Donald Trump had yesterday at the White House. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, yesterday, Donald Trump was doing an event in the Rose Garden, and he was talking about an executive order that he says creates a federal database of police officers with a history of using excessive force. Now, Donald Trump is against dismantling the police. Here's what he said. I strongly oppose the radical and dangerous efforts to defend, dismantle, and dissolve our police departments, especially now when we've achieved the lowest recorded crime rates in recent history. Without police... There is chaos. Without law, there is anarchy. And without safety, there is catastrophe. Americans believe we must support the brave men and women in blue who police our streets and keep us safe. 
Americans also believe we must improve accountability, increase transparency, and invest more resources in police training, recruiting, and community engagement. Nobody's now, talking about dismantling the police, though. The, fun the funding is not dismantling. Nobody said we don't want any police. We just want the police to be held accountable when they commit violence against us and kill us. And, yes, they don't need them big-ass budgets. Take some of that money and put it into the community. Nobody said dismantle. Well, some people, are, some people are saying to dismantle police departments. Some people are calling yeah, for, I mean, so we true, can't say no what, one's saying that. Yeah, but that's not what the funding means, though. Like, he keeps trying to twist the words defund the police. That's not what defunding the police means. For some people, they that is what it means. I think it's just no. you do have to be clear because defund does mean to take away the funds. And so funds, for some people, they look dismantle. at it like... Okay, so another no. thing that he discussed was he said that uh, it's only a small percentage of bad cuffs, and he talks about why is he signing this executive order because at no point did he address racism as the issue, but here's what he said. Reducing crime and raising standards are not opposite goals. That is why today I'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities. These standards will be as high and as strong as there is on earth. All I mean, right. The executive, uh, order is really, the executive order is really nothing to get excited about. I mean, because mm -hmm. it's just suggestions. Like, I do like some of the things that are in there, like supporting the registry of bad cops and co-responders in mental health case, cases, but it's not a bill. It's just suggestions. Say that word right. again. Suggestions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, he also met with the families. <laughs> he also met with the families of Ahmaud Arbery, Botham John, Antoine Rose, Jamel Robeson, Tatiana Jefferson, Michael Dean, Darius Tarver, Cameron Lamb, and Everett Palmer. And according to one person who attended, they said it was very powerful. It took place in, for an hour before he signed the executive order, and there were a lot of tears in the room. So... Kamala Harris, by the way, before um, we move on from front page news, she tweeted out Trump's policing executive order is meaningless. Since day one, he's used racially charged rhetoric all while rolling back efforts to root out racism in policing and virtually abandoning police misconduct investigations. We need real reforms. Pass the Justice and Policing Act now. Yeah, she's right, because it's not a bill. It's not a bill. You put it in a bill, make the GOP pass it, sign it, then you got something. But those are the, the executive orders, just suggestions. That's just a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance. That's all. He probably just wanted the families in the White House to be able to get a picture with him, to be honest, to make it look like he's he cares and he's doing something. I'm sure. Election season, baby. A lot of dreams Absolutely. being sold. Yep, car salesmen everywhere. All right, well, that is front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm calling. I'm calling. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm calling. I'm calling call, call you. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The <laughs> Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Oh, what's up? It's Leek, man. Hey, my car done broke down yesterday, man. That's mm. I had a girl call to work, bro. Could be worse. What was wrong with have it? A call. What? You could have to walk. At least your girl got a call. Yeah, yeah. But I had to take her car to work, man. That's embarrassing. Why what, is it embarrassing? What's going on, Charlemagne? Envy and Angela. What's up, King? You just talking. Why is her car embarrassing? No, not her car. I'm talking about being broke on the side of the road, man. That's oh, embarrassing. Okay. Man, it happens. Your car <laughs> broke down. You're not broke on the side of the road. Your car just I broke down. You. I feel you. This happens I to the best you. of us. Now it's, time. now it's time to go and get a brand new whip, man. 
right? If you okay. got it like that, play a player. <laughs> yeah, I don't see the problem. Well, I don't I did, see what y'all. you're complaining about. Yeah. It's the worst feeling when your you got... car breaks down. I told you my tire flew off my car one day. I was on the side of the highway. It does feel sad and lonely. It does. Now, I, I did, a couple weeks ago, I was on the side of the road, called the tow truck, come get me. But thanks for calling, bro. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is LaShawn from the Bronx. Hey, LaShawn, get it off your chest. Well, I want to know why is it that these cops have to do all these professions that they say they have to do, but yet they're required to have limited education in order to perform it. Hairdressers have to go to school longer to get trained before cops, and cops are able to take people live. Why is that? How long is police academy? The police have to go to academy. They have to go to academy. I only know yeah, that from the movie. A, a, doctor, a doctor has to go to school for seven years to save a life, but yet a cop has to go to academy and they get to kill people. That's not okay. How long is academy? Yeah, I don't even know. Twenty-one weeks of training. Twenty-one weeks. Come on. Twenty-one weeks of training. But yet they have to perform. They have to be social workers and psychiatrists and all these other professions. But yet they don't have the education. That's not okay. But that in the police need to go back to school and get more than sixty credits because they only required to have sixty credits. To be a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading something. I thought it was just a high school diploma. I was reading something um, yesterday. It, was, it said, like, it's three years of training in Norway to be a police officer. Three-year three year degree is required to become a police officer in Finland. Two years of training to become a police officer in Germany. But in the America, you just need a high school diploma and 21 weeks of training. 21 to 24 weeks of training. Is it still a high school diploma? Because I know at one time, I thought they moved it up. You need a certain amount of college credits. I'm not sure, though. Don't quote me. Don't quote me. It does. I just I looked it up. Yesterday. It says a uh, high school diploma is often the minimum formal education required. An associate's, bachelor's, or graduate degree is rarely mandatory. Mm. Damn. All right. Get you it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. Now we got rumors on the way, ye? Uh, yes, we do. And we'll be talking about Matt Barnes, what he has to say about Kyrie Irving sitting out the NBA season. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. So as you know, Kyrie Irving is calling for NBA players to reconsider resuming the season so that players can focus on fighting oppression and so that we don't lose focus. And a lot of people have been critical of that. One person who is critical is Matt Barnes. Now he was on his podcast that he does with Steven Jackson, and here's what he had to say. Kyrie needs to quit bull because what I heard was Kyrie wanted to go to Orlando to support his team. They didn't let him, so then he flipped the script talking about, I'm going to give up everything, bro. You can give up everything and go do the Meyer Moore if you really want to, but at the same time, sitting out without a cause or a purpose defeats the purpose and then it also divides us and i respect people don't want to play because if, if it's covid and you're putting your family at risk i get that but if it's for the movement of the country right now we have to take charge of this yeah i mean i, I tend to agree with matt bonds like nobody can make me understand why some nba players think playing would be a distraction from the protest like athlete activism has always been a thing the demonstrations and things you can do before a game, the comments you can make after a game will mm-hmm. only highlight what's going on in the streets. And if you're not Absolutely. playing, if, if you are not playing, are you about to dedicate your life to full-time activism? If that's the case, cool. If not, I don't get it. 
And the reference that he had to Maya Moore, Maya Moore is a WNBA star who uh, sat out consecutive seasons to work directly on criminal justice reform. We had talked about that previously. She announced that she was missing a second straight season in the Olympics before they were postponed because she was helping a family friend overturn a 50-year prison sentence. So she, so she dedicated her life. Correct. She was on the front lines. Yeah. So if, so if you're dedicating your life to full-time activism, if you're not playing because you want to be out there on the front lines, I get it. If not, I don't get it. All right. Stacey Dash has officially filed for divorce from her fourth husband, uh, Jeffrey Marty. So uh, they were married for two years almost two years, and she posted the announcement previously. She said, my husband and I have made the hard decision of ending our marriage. After much prayer, I feel this is the right path for both of us. I wish him nothing but the best. And, uh, you know, she was arrested on domestic battery charges. Y'all remember when that happened, but Mm -hmm. she was cleared after the state attorney did not press charges against her. So I wonder what's the longest, um, what's the longest lease she's had on her husband? What you mean? Two year lease, this one. Oh, boy. That was a two-year lease. The last husband, husband was a two-year lease. I wonder what's the longest lease she's ever had on a... Does she get miles with that? How many miles does she get per year? That's what I'm saying. I wonder when, do, when did she, when did she uh, realize it's time to t- turn it in and get a new one. Right. Well, that one's about to be over for mm-hmm. fourth one. All right. And J. Cole, you know what? I woke up this morning and I saw J. Cole and Kendrick were trending. I don't understand why still. I was trying to figure it out. I mean, J. Cole, I know he put out a new song and we're going to play that actually. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Snow on the Bluff. And that's his first song of 2020. So, you know, he's discussing everything that's been happening. It's interesting because I just interviewed Neo uh, for Lip Service. That episode just came out yesterday. And he was saying one artist who he really wants to work with right now is J. Cole, especially to do a song about everything that's happening right now and Black Lives Matter. And J. Cole just did that himself with Snow on the Bluff. So I think we should play that. Let's do it. Yeah, we don't appreciate Snow on the Bluff like we should. Not the J. The Cole movie? song, the actual movie, Snow. I was about to say, the song just came out. <laughs> Classic, phenomenal film, man. We do not appreciate that movie like we should. I'm going to be honest nah, with I you. I like I that movie. I love Snow on the Bluff. Everybody mm-hmm. should go watch Snow on the Bluff at least once in your life. It's kind of like the Hood Blair Witch Project. You remember how we didn't... Re- <laughs> well, I didn't know if the Blair Witch Project was real at first, mm-hmm. only because I saw a documentary about it before it aired. So I was like, wow, somebody actually was walking around with his camera and captured this footage. I thought that about Snow on the Bluff as well. Well, shout out to Curtis Snow from Snow on the Bluff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. Classic film you got, Curtis. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your rumor report. And let's get into J. Cole's new song, Snow on the Bluff. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with Donald Trump's police reform executive order. What is in it? A new database for police misconduct. He said they will establish a new national database of police officers with a history of using excessive force. Mental health Mm co-responders. They are directing the Secretary of Health and Human Services to encourage police departments to embed mental health professionals as co-responders on calls related to mental health, homelessness and addiction. And also directing uh, to help police department find funds to hire this personnel and banning chokeholds, but technically not really. So what what they said under this executive order is that chokeholds will be banned except when an officer's life is at risk. And the only police departments that choose to get certified would have to comply with that standard. Yeah, because I saw people saying that uh, there is no banning chokeholds initiative in his executive order. I actually saw uh, Maya Harris 
tweet that out. But I mean, the executive order is really nothing to get excited about. It's just suggestions. You know, I, I do like some of those things that are in there. You know, supporting the registry of bad cops. Definitely the responders in mental health cases, but it's not a bill. If you put it in a bill, make the GOP pass it and then sign it, then we'll have something to talk about. That executive yeah. order, that is nothing but symbolism. Yeah, people are yeah, never trust police officers if you don't know their record, if you don't know their, their past, if you don't know if they had previous reports. Like, that has to be public knowledge. I mean, if they pull me over, they know my past, they know my history. We should know everybody's history, honestly. Yeah, and you can't say that you're banning chokeholds unless... You know, an officer's life. Then you're not really banning chokeholds. Correct. It's not really banned. All right, now let's discuss Rayshard Brooks. He was killed by an Atlanta police officer outside the Wendy's restaurant after failing a sobriety test. Then he fought with two officers and took a taser from one and ran away. Well, now they are saying, according to the police union president, that that shooting was justified under Georgia law. So... They said the taser is not a deadly weapon when used by a trained individual because a trained individual knows where to aim it, but an untrained individual does not, and then it becomes a deadly weapon at that point. In addition, uh, you know, Gaynor said that uh, could he carjack somebody? Uh, could he be scared so so that he's going to kidnap somebody in another car? Is he going to hurt a civilian? There's a lot of things that come into play that you have to play out and go, am, I am responsible for this person I was going to arrest, and he now has a weapon that I provided him because he took it from me. So they are saying well, now shooting that... Shooting him in the back is legal? justified. Is lawful? No, there's mm-hmm. nothing justified about that killing. You know I, I, I heard so many different nothing. things. I heard that... Uh, once the taser, and maybe I'm wrong, but they said once the taser is discharged, it can't be discharged again. And they said that taser is discharged. It can only do discharged. one time, yeah. I heard that. Then I also heard that um, I heard that w- when he was running away, they could have, it, it, it's one of those things where the, the, the taser is, I guess you have to be within four feet of the person. And he, it was further than four feet. Now, there's, there's so many correlations in, in different things that I, I've heard about that, you know? But my, my, my thing is this, right? Were they like, fired, how can, though? How Weren't those cops fired? Uh, I think they resigned. One of them resigned. Well, I think I thought mistaken. one was, mm. and the other one was, what? yeah. The officer who shot why, him, why? Garrett Rolf, was fired after the footage showed him shooting at Brooks multiple times. And the other officer, it, uh, well, the police chief resigned, but the police chief wasn't there, but the police chief did resign. Mm-hmm. Well, I know officers have multiple weapons on them. Why not have a gun with rubber bullets? a situation like that. If you gotta, you know, gun somebody down from the back, why can't you use rubber bullets? The same bullets you use on protesters. You know what I mean? Why does it have to be real bullets? And how do you justify, how does somebody, you know, uh, snatching your taser and running justify you shooting them in the back and killing them? I don't understand that logic. Well, that, see, that's that's really something know. different. There's no way that that one unarmed man should be able to overpower them two police officers and take his, his weapon. But having an additional weapon, that would be a lot. Because you think about it, I mean, it, it would look like Rambo. I mean, you'd, you'd have a real gun, you'd have a, a gun with bullets, then you'd have a, a taser, taser, and then you have a baton. It, 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 like, it's kind of like, do you want to confuse the cops with all those those choices to, to shoot me? Well, now, no, listen, you're giving, that, you're, giving them, you're giving them billions of dollars in police budgets anyway, so they might as well buy more. Just to go along <laughs> with that, I want to talk about another story. I don't know if you all heard this, but this also happened in Georgia, and these moms were pleading with a cop who was holding these kids at gunpoint. The cop was by himself. He had gotten a report that a group of of kids had a gun and were fighting in the store's parking lot. Listen to this. Please, sir, please. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Don't shoot, sir. Please, sir. Please. And so the moms were pleading with the police officer to put the gun down 
and to make sure that nothing happened. And it was a group of, I think, like 30 people that were there just telling the police officer why you got a gun out. They are kids. They're kids. Uh, so it was a 17-minute video. And the, they did, the children did admit they were teenagers, that they had a BB gun and they had thrown the gun uh, in the bushes. And so, and it resembles a semi-automatic pistol. But I don't know. What do you do in that situation? I mean, in that situation, you got to understand, when the police get a phone call that uh, somebody has a gun, they're automatically thinking that somebody has a gun. So they have to make sure that nobody yeah. has that weapon. That's why they told him to put their hands up, and that's why he waited for backup to make sure somebody patted them down. In that situation, yeah, when you get a phone call and you say that, that, that's why, you know, when we go back to community people, and that's when you know if somebody in that community, like, like oh, uh, Ray, 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 come here, Ray, Ray. What you got them, you know what I mean? That's where it comes to that. But when a cop comes yeah. to a neighborhood and don't know these kids and they get a call for a gun, I mean, they got to protect themselves as well in this case. Yeah, but we've seen them get that horribly wrong, too. I mean, Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice You're was correct. a kid, you know what I'm saying, with a toy gun in a, in a park. What how old was he at the time? Eight, I think? Mm-hmm. I don't remember how old he was. I he was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he was supposed to be 20, I think, sometime this week. Cops pulled up, just jumped out. Bow! Ain't even assess the situation. Nothing. They just got to call some kids in the uh, the park with a gun, and they pulled up shooting. So I don't know. It's complicated, All I right. guess. But Jesus Christ, man. You well, that is your front. That's made of somebody losing their life. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. that is your front page news. I'm Angela Yee. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, uh, yesterday, uh, Yee had an opportunity to speak with uh, Sil Ali Abrams. Uh, you want to explain what that conversation was about, Yee? Yes, well, Russell Simmons did have a platform to come up here and uh, discuss and defend himself from the uh, accusations against him. And Sylvia Abrams is one of the women who has said that Russell Simmons, actually, she says that he raped her. And so we wanted to make sure that these women also had that equal platform to uh, just say what they have to say and express themselves. So we wanted to make sure we gave Sylvia Abrams that platform. So we had a very enlightening discussion on black women, how women are treated, sexual uh, violence, and all of that. All right, we'll get into that next. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Now we have a special guest. Uh, Angela Yee got a chance to speak with with Sil Lai Abrams. Yes, she was featured on On the Record. That is a documentary with, uh, she's one of the women who's accusing Russell Simmons of assault, of rape. Actually, in her situation, it was rape. And she talks about her situation. And she's going to give you all of this firsthand. We wanted to make sure she had the platform. So here we go. We interviewed Russell Simmons last week. And you appeared in the On the Record documentary that's on HBO Max. And we're going to talk all about that. But we did see on social media that you did not appreciate that interview. So I do want to give you the platform here to respond to what happened with that Russell Simmons interview and also to be able to have the platform to tell your story. So let's just get that over with first. You know, I understand that everybody's entitled to tell their story. Everyone's entitled to share their side of things. What was incredibly painful for me as a survivor was being silenced for so long and the first time that Russell pops up is on a show with such a reach as The Breakfast Club and that he was unchallenged essentially throughout the entire interview and not only 
was he unchallenged and allowed to perpetuate a lot of very harmful myths around rape and around the women that have accused him. But it was very re-traumatizing. It was a traumatic experience because we didn't have an opportunity to speak. There's been this huge vortex of silence around the film within the Black community, which in large part, I believe, has been managed and negotiated by him. He's a man with incredible power. And so Russell is the Harvey Weinstein of the hip-hop community. He Even prior to Harvey being convicted, Harvey had become a pariah because of the multiple allegations by so many different women against him. But those same standards don't apply to our community mm-hmm. with R. Kelly or anyone else that has perpetuated these types of crimes. Or Bill Cosby. Or Bill Cosby. We ride or die for them until the end. And I get that. We can get into that later, but just specifically why I've been so vocal is because there is a tremendous responsibility that comes with having the privilege of the position that your show has. And at times, the show hasn't done right by the community that it says it loves. And so in this case, it was it, it was just wrong. It, it was just like, it, it just was just not a good look and it was painful. Well, I will say this, as soon as HBO reached out to me to have the women from on the record on the show, I responded immediately and said, absolutely. And that was the first time anyone had reached out to me. And so because I had done, I may destroy you a campaign with that, with them, they had my information and hit me up directly. And so as soon as I was asked, there was no question. So I believe that I will say The Breakfast Club is not perfect as I don't feel like any platform gets it right all the time. Mm-hmm. But I know, and I can speak, I think on behalf of all of us that, you know, we do try to make sure that we uplift our community in many different ways. And if things are triggering, I do apologize for that because that's never my intention for that to happen. And so that's why I want to make sure. And I would have given you this space regardless if that interview happened or not. It was just that, the way that it works, it's not that we reached out to anyone for an interview. People reach out to us normally, and that's usually how interviews are booked. And so, you know, and you're right. Like, I do feel like the documentary, I reported on it multiple times. I played the trailer, you know, in my rumor report, and we talked about Oprah when she signed on to do it. We talked about it when she decided not to do it, and then when it got picked up by HBO Max. So while I do feel like a lot of platforms hadn't been even covering that this documentary happened, it was something that we have discussed and I have put in my rumor report as things unraveled. So I just mm-hmm. want to put, put that out there for you. And I do want to talk about that since you brought it up with the documentary, just what happened with Oprah? Because we've heard that she felt like the stories were conflicting and she couldn't sign on. She does believe the women, she said, but she mm-hmm. felt like there were too many contradictions. So can you, from your own space, talk about what happened? Before I go there, I just want to say that, according to our side, there was outreach that began at the top of May. Now, whether or not that went from the specific booker at your show, I don't know how many bookers there are, I don't know. But I know that the outreach had begun because we all know if there is 
a film, anything of any import, people want to go on The Breakfast Club to talk about it. We know if we want to reach Black America, you come here, which is why Joe Biden comes on here, presidential nominee. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on that because um, there might be a little miscommunication there. But as far as Oprah's pulling out, there was a lot of reporting around the drama on that preceded the release of the film. And I get it, it's tantalizing. People wanna know, oh, well, what's going on? Oprah said that there's some inconsistencies with this person and you've got a campaign that's happening with 50 Cent and Russell Simmons is operating on social media and people, you've got people from other communities who are just diving in saying, this is just another attempt to take out a black man and we can't let this happen. But all of this is occurring and people are forgetting, hello, there are survivors involved here and we're collateral damage. And so Oprah choosing to step back, that's her prerogative. I wasn't in the room. She stated in the New York Times, she said on TV, her issue with creative differences, period. She also said that she believed us. And so I believe that she has a right to do whatever she wants with her money and with her platform. I also think it's incredibly disingenuous for Russell to come on the show last week and start to invoke Oprah like, oh, Oprah, 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 she's so wonderful. When Oprah straight up just said, nah, like you had nothing to do with this. Like your th- whatever you're saying to try and imply that Oprah is um, co-signing you, that's not fair because you also know Ms. Oprah Winfrey is not going to come back out to relitigate something that's in the past. That's irrelevant. What's important is the fact that I saw one article for an OK Player, a tweet about how our film almost became an urban legend. Mm-hmm. One of those, and, and really it's been this very skittish road to get here because of the fact that there has been so much controversy. So it was it painful? Yeah, the whole damn experience has been painful since I chose to come forward going back in 2017. But that is the price that survivors pay when they choose to tell their stories, irrespective of how powerful their perpetrator is. All right, when we come back, we got more with Silla Abrams. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha God. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still speaking with Sil Lai Abrams. Now, Angela, you got a chance to speak with her yesterday. Let's get back into yes. that interview. And you can see the documentary on the record on HBO Max now. You know what? I've read a lot about what you've been through and how Joanne Reed was supposed to interview you. And you had given her your story, which she was writing. And she was doing this sit-down interview with you. And you had to provide all kinds of receipts to mm-hmm. prove that what you said happened to you did indeed happen. Mm -hmm. And then the story never ended up going on air. Mm -hmm. And I know that had to be difficult. And then, you know, we're talking about your son sitting next to you. And that was one of the most heartbreaking scenes was, and I don't even want to bring things up, but I know for people who haven't seen it that are listening right now, you know, you did detail having to be taken to the hospital and kissing your son goodbye because you didn't even want to be here anymore after 
that happened was was that the first time he had heard about that it was the first time that he knew the details and that's something that let, let me be clear i didn't tell i mean i told there were people who were present that day immediately after the assault people from russell's camp that came to be with my son there are people that um the my friends that took me to the hospital and I never thought that it would go further than that. You know, what mother wants to tell their child about something that painful, something that I still have a, a lot of mixed feelings about. But you know what? Sexual violence not only impacts the individual who is hurt, it impacts their families. It, it you know, when we talk about the restorative justice model or the transformative justice model, the first thing that has to occur is for a perpetrator to acknowledge the harm that they've done, not only to the victim, but to the victim's family, to the community, and to the society at large. And you cannot even begin a dialogue of healing without first having accountability. Right. That's what's missing in this is that Russell did apologize to me at Moomba a couple of years later. And this is detailed in the Hollywood Reporter piece. He did. He said um, he's a changed person now, right? He said he's changed and he was alluding to being fully sober and also, I guess, having a different mindset around what consent is, I guess. Um, but he happened to be having dinner with Donald Trump. You know, I mean, so it's like, and I just stopped him. I was just like, first off, he blindsided me because my sister had dried up, died of a drug overdose a couple months before. That's what he approached me to say. I'm sorry. I heard about your sister. I just, she, Malai was a really good girl. And I was so raw, like you could have knocked me over. And I was just so glad someone, anyone would acknowledge that my sister died of a drug overdose because nobody wants to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Had he not started with my sister, I would have walked away. Right. I had nothing to say. But your question encompassed a lot. You mentioned Joy Reid, and I don't know, I'm not going to guess why, but I'll say that my story was vetted. It went through, it passed standards and practices at NBC. I have receipts. It was just NBC, as we saw with Ronan Farrow and other stories, they have their own ongoing issues within that news organization, yes. how they handle sexual harassment and misconduct. And Russell's attorneys strong arms them. I mean, it went all the way to the top, to the head of the news divisions and of the company. So that's the power he has to shut something down. And so when, by the time I finally got to the Hollywood Reporter, the story morphed and it became one that was about how a Me Too story is killed. And that's what's unfortunate is that it no longer becomes something linear. It's, well, why did you come forward, you know, Everyone came out in November, December, and here it is, June, almost July, and now your story's breaking. Well, 
it's not my fault. It's because I got hemmed up. But the Hollywood Reporter had all the access to all of the same information that NBC did. And yes, they were pressured by Russell's attorneys and they ran it. They ran, they ran it and there has not been any civil suit. And to Russell's point last week, I've never filed a civil suit. I never wanted anything from him. But what I will not do is be complicit in silencing survivors, nor will I be silenced. Think about it. The privilege that I have, the many levels of privilege that I have of the relationships within the industry, of having a certain attorney, all this stuff that I have at my disposal is what allowed my story to end up being published after it was killed mm -hmm. by one news outlet. And you know how it works. When your story gets squashed at one news outlet, the bar is set double as high to get published that with another one. And so, again, I keep thinking about all of rape is a crime that happens in private. It happens in the private sphere, but it's litigated often in the public. And so many victims don't have receipts. Right. And also, I think people also mistakenly think that because you cannot get convicted, right, after getting accused, but that doesn't necessarily mean it didn't happen. A lot of people will say, well, the charges got dropped or it didn't happen. And a lot of times that doesn't necessarily mean the person is innocent. You know, that just well, means we as a people know that police brutality committed against black people is an epidemic. Mm -hmm. We know even if the media doesn't report on it, which it hasn't forever, it's only now because we have our own cameras and right. we're making the news through social media that people are really starting to see the extent of the harm that's been done to us for centuries. We know what happens to our people because we know how corrupt the system is and it's stacked against us. So we don't question when police brutality occurs. We accept it as truth. But when a black woman says that she's been sexually violated, and when you look at all this, the statistics, we know it's a global women's health epidemic. It's all of a sudden, well, you know, she's lying. She wants something. She's a hoe. She was drunk. All of these rape myths are deployed. And I'm like, this is why I think in the middle of the movement for Black lives that's occurring, why the death of Toyin Salau mm -hmm. just hits right at that intersection of what we're talking about, about a Black woman speaking up and using her voice on a platform like social media to talk about the fact that she had been assaulted and then the very person who she trusted to provide her some type of care ends up hurting her and then her body is discovered. Right. There are parallels that exist in many women's lives where we know that the majority of crimes happen between people who know each other, mm -hmm. whether it's domestic violence or intimate partner abuse, 
and especially rape and sexual assault. All right, well, don't move. We got more with Sylla Abrams. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, yesterday, Angela Yee got a chance to kick it with Sil Lai Abrams. Yes, Sil Lai Abrams has accused Russell Simmons of rape, and you get to hear what happened to her firsthand. And she's also featured on On the Record, which is on HBO Max. Husbands can rape their wives. Some some people don't feel like that's even possible, right? They'd be like, well, you're married, so that can't happen. But the truth of the matter is, I know women who will tell you that they've been raped by their mm-hmm. husband. And then I think when that happens, it's difficult to speak up because you feel ashamed. You also know that people will say, well, you know, you guys are married. So if you, you've already had sex, you already have kids, like, I don't see how that's even possible. But then when you hear the violence that occurred, and I think especially when it happens to somebody you know, I think we all know a woman or women, multiple women, who have been sexually assaulted and will never speak up about it or never tell Mm -hmm. their story. I can't think of too many people who don't have a story to tell. There have been people who have questioned me because Russell and I had dated before. I Look, I put it all out on the table. I had to say that. He and I had kicked it. Right, consensually previously. Yeah. And then it it ended. You had a boyfriend. It ended... And we were supposed to be friends forever, according to him. And so, like, last week when he's talking about all his friends, how how he's still friends with all these women, I'm like, well, I was your friend. Mm -hmm. I trusted you. And now we're not friends because you violated me and you destroyed our friendship. And that is something that, it's still hard to wrap your head around. You know, years later, I think about my time working in entertainment and in media, and I think hearing all of the horror stories, to your point, that many women share privately but will never share publicly, I'm lucky it was only two men. When you think about all of the allegations that have come up and all of the conversations and the whisper talks that we have amongst each other where we don't come forward and talk about what's really going down in the industry. Right. And how nobody is holding the perpetrators accountable. And that's where I think that media outlets, by at least providing an opportunity to hear the voices of survivors can level the field. How does it feel then that people still legally have to say allegations? Because as you know, Russell Simmons is saying he took lie detector tests. He hasn't been charged with anything. Mm -hmm. And so legally it still is considered allegations. Is Mm -hmm. that bothersome to you to have, uh, how many women have come forward so far? I mean, it depends upon what you're talking about, I believe it's six or seven who publicly accused him of rape, and then the rest are various forms of sexual misconduct and harassment, uh, which I guess in total is 20. I mean, as far as allegations, news media has got to cover their behind. Right, because legally you can't get sued if you don't say allegedly. Allegedly, right. And so, 
you know, I have accused him publicly of assault. And so I don't have an issue with the fact that people say allegations. What I have a problem with is when your identity as a survivor becomes secondary to that of your perpetrator simply because he is famous. Even around everything that happened last week, it was, you know, Russell Simmons rape accuser, last breakfast club. And I'm like, I have a name. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, I have an identity. I have professional bona fides. I'm not just an accuser. Don't minimize and marginalize me and tie me into the headline of who this man is, because that was a big part of my decision not to include his name in my first book. Right. Because I explicitly outlined what happened, but I gave a pseudonym in the book because I never wanted, because I'm painfully aware that there are people who think that the reason why I've achieved any type of success is because of the way that I look. And let's be real, I have certain privileges that have helped make things easier. But you don't stay in the game just because you look cute. You've got to actually be able to bring something to the table. You have to know your shit, as they say. And so with respect to my identity getting erased and all survivors getting erased, look, I get it. It happens to people. I see it all the time. I'm just very sensitive to it because I remember the night before my story dropped, I went on Google and I screenshot, I did a search and I screenshot my name and it was like, rest in peace to Salai Abrams, nationally recognized domestic violence awareness activist, because henceforth you're going to be known as a woman who accused Russell Simmons of rape. Right. And that's nothing that I ever wanted. I didn't want my work to be built around the identity of a man that had hurt me. I did not want, and certainly not as a feminist, I certainly was not going to try and parlay this into any type of, what did he say? He said last week, he said to be famous or infamous. Who the hell wants to be infamous? Or not for famous? that. Yeah. Not for that. Mm -mm. What do you want? What could Russell do now? Is there anything? I want accountability. If we're not able to navigate the criminal justice system because what happened between us is outside of the statute of limitations, and to be very clear, like, let me bring you back. I chose not to press charges at the time because I was drunk that night because of the fact that he and I did have a prior sexual relationship and because I was terrified because of the imbalance in power and money between us and, and what happened in the examination room. Right. So I was scared. Now, today, as a woman who is going to be turning 50 in a month. Um, what, what does the grown-ass woman want? What I want is a chance to begin restorative justice. I want Russell to actually stop the pantomime of being an innocent and truly acknowledge the harm 
that he's done and then start to make the amends to the individuals and the community that he continues to harm by peddling mistruths that he ends up contradicting himself on. So like just pointing to the interview last week, he said that he misinterpreted what happened with Jenny, Jenny. Mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, dude, you just said, in essence, that you raped her. Like, that's what you said, right? I mean, I guess I, I got my signals crossed. Well, if Jenny says it wasn't consensual right. and you don't know what consent is, well, I'm sorry. That right there was an admission of, of some sort. Even in the case of me, a drunk woman can't consent. Right. It's my hope that having this conversation is an opportunity, to your point, to try and shift the needle and get something right. Right. right? By us having this dialogue on the heels of what happened last week, at least there's some context. And I can't speak for the other survivors, but I can say that I am appreciative of this conversation and of this opportunity because you all have tremendous power and you help shape culture but there are parts of our culture that absolutely have to change and letting people come on and not be interrogated on their behavior that's not cool that's not going to bring about any liberation that's not black love that's not accountability and when you love someone you hold them accountable. So like, I do appreciate you for taking the time to come on this platform. I know you were on the board for the National Domestic Violence Hotline and you were on the board for Safe Horizon. So uh, just so people know that there are safe spaces that they can go to if they do need to seek out help and support. Absolutely. And to call the sexual assault in the national, um, you can contact Rain as well. Um, which is the National Sexual Assault Hotline. I mean, there have been times where I've just picked up and called either one. I called Safe Horizon not too long ago and just said, I need to talk. Because the pressure of of going through something like this, I just need to anonymously speak to someone and just say, this is really hard. I'm having a hard time handling this. And it's been 25 years. Right. Well, so much appreciated, and we will definitely make sure we stay in touch. And if you need our platform, make sure you let me know. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Sally Abrams. All right. Take care. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Will Smith. Okay. Are you ready to watch Will Smith? It's about time. What's going on? This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Okay, are you ready to watch Will Smith star in a new movie as a runaway slave? Why not? It's Will Smith. Will Smith gets busy on that screen. Well, the new movie is called Emancipation. It'll be directed by Antoine Fuqua. It's based on a true story. And Will Smith is playing Peter, a runaway slave forced to flee and outwit slave hunters on his journey to the Union Army and his only chance of freedom. Now, I'm, I've, I've said I'm on record saying I'm tired of seeing slave movies. Yes, you are. Only because, <laughs> only because they show uh-huh. us, uh, you know, being the victims all the time, which we were. But I'm intrigued about this one because it's based off that 
classic picture we always see with the brother showing the whelps on his back, right? If I'm not mistaken, right. I think I read mm-hmm. that yesterday. Mm-hmm. I believe I'm that. interested. All right. Well, that uh, production is going to start early in 2021. Now, Will Smith is also starring in a Father's Day documentary called Dads alongside Kenan Thompson, and it will be available on Apple TV Plus June 19th. Even though I would like to see more stories of uh, black liberation that don't have to do with slavery, but yeah. All right, speaking of dads, let's talk about Deja Harris. And, you know, I actually was watching T.I. and Tiny Friends and Family Hustle, and this is the Hyman Gate episode where T.I. made his comments Mm -hmm. about taking his daughter to the gynecologist and making sure that her hymen is still intact. Well, here is what Deja had to say. She found out while they were on vacation in Mexico. My heart sank. Very shocked, hurt, angry, embarrassed. Like, be honest, for real, that he goes to the gynecologist with you to make sure that you're still a virgin? Yeah, he goes with me. What we want you to do is talk to him about it, man. I'm not going to be able to, like, really get through to him, like, connect. Yeah. Yeah. He always plays victim, honestly. So, like, are you angry? I just don't really care to be around him right now. Do you feel like this is going to put a strain over it? Come on. No. (laughs) This this situation is just a little traumatizing for me. Yeah, I hate the fact that she has to relive that, you know, especially being that she said it was traumatic. I'm sure it was. So I hate to see people have to relive trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's certain conversations and certain situations you just want to keep in the household, you know? And I've realized yeah. that a lot with my daughter, too. And you know what, too? I was watching it, and I did feel real like she was, you know, breaking down, about to cry. And he didn't really want to, like, apologize or approach her about it and ruin the trip and things like that. So it was very difficult to watch. Yeah, I just don't want my daughter's hymen to be your entertainment because that's what it turns out to be, right? Like, even if you're, even if, if, if Tip had the best intentions, which I'm sure he did, it still ends up being somebody's entertainment because it's on television. You know what I mean? Yeah, that well, that's what happens when you have a, a show and you talk about your family and your life so much. But you sometimes you you don't realize, you know, well, you do realize what's going to be a you know really hurt your daughter's feelings. You know what I mean? I've been through that too with, with my daughter. I said some stuff that my daughter didn't like, and I had to have a conversation and apologize to her. It is a process. Being having daughters, I got three daughters. Having daughters is is like having a landmine, right? Because you don't know when you might step and cause something to blow up, and it's not like it was your intention. You know, nope. like oh my god. You know? Right, and and you know, and I said this at the time. I think as a, a young, as a woman, and I know when I was a young girl, you know, we are very. There's a lot to do with women's bodies, and you don't want to be invasive over things like that because that can affect somebody forever. So it's just mm-hmm. really important to listen to women, listen to what what your daughters have to say, and make them feel empowered, and let them know their body is their body, and they control that, and have trust. You know, you have to be able to trust that you raised your daughters in the right way and that they'll make smart decisions when you're not around. And you don't have to check their hymen. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Jesus rumor report. Jesus Christ. <laughs> My God. Yikes. Well, all right. Lord, all right, Charlotte, we're giving that donkey to <laughs> Uh, we need Vice President Mike Pence to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with him. I And also ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, you can hit Yee right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Charlemagne, say the gang, dunk it under Charlemagne. You are a donkey. <laughs> it's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day does not discriminate. I might not have the song of the day, but I got the donkey of the day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, <laughs> hit it with the heat. Yeah, it's a breakfast club, bitches. Who's donkey of the day today? 
Talk here today for Wednesday, June 17th goes to the leader of the Trump administration's coronavirus task force, the vice president, and worst sidekick since Aquaman had Aqua Girl, Mike Pence. Oh, yes, I come from the era of Aquaman being highly uncool, uh, not the Lisa Bonet, Denise Huxtable husband version y'all have now. I come from the era of Aquaman being a laughingstock and having a sidekick named Aqua Girl who was killed off in a miniseries called Crisis on Infinite Earth and ironically, Aqua Girl drowned. You know how trash you have to be if your only superpower is being able to breathe underwater and you die by drowning? Were you ever really a superhero? Anyway, Google it so you can see how trash and pathetic her character was, and you will understand why Mike Pence is the worst sidekick since Aqua Girl. Now, Donald Trump is having a Klan rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma this weekend, uh, the 20th, I believe. Uh, rallies are a big part of Trump galvanizing support. He goes out, he tries his new stand-up routine for the MAGA crowd, makes a few jokes, tells a lot of lies, hands out a few false promises, and asks to see you in November at the polls. Well, that disease they keep downplaying, COVID, last name 19, has put a halt to a lot of those rallies, so Trump has to get back out there and rally the Klan, okay? Well, the first one since the pandemic happened is this weekend in Oklahoma, and people want to know, is it safe? How do you social distance at a Klan rally? Now, masks are optional, all right? Even the hooded ones at Trump's rally, which confuses the hell out of me because I've been told one of the main ways to stop transmission of the virus is to wear a mask. Okay, what does the Trump administration have against wearing masks? Masks are actually great for the Trump administration. Number one, the MAGA mask would not only be insanely popular and a bestseller, it's so much easier to lie with a mask on because people can't see your face. Being able to read facial expressions to detect lies, a MAGA mask will cover that up. A MAGA mask will hide that false smile Donald Trump does. You know that false smile he does just with his mouth and nothing else moves? MAGA mask could hide that. Uh, a MAGA mask could hide the fact that sometimes people purse their lips to counteract the dry mouth that comes with lying. Okay, sometimes people blush when they're lying. Donald Trump does it all the time. That's why he turns bright orange. MAGA mask will cover all of that. Okay, a MAGA mask will keep us from reading Trump's facial expressions when he lies. So why are they against masks at his rallies? I have no idea. Now, clearly, people don't feel safe about attending this rally for obvious coronavirus-related reasons. So Mike Pence, being the janky concert promoter that he is, decided to do what most janky concert promoters do, and that's lie to make people feel comfortable enough to come. Now, Mike Pence told reporters on Monday afternoon that numbers for the virus in Oklahoma had declined. In fact, he didn't just say declined. He used a word I have never heard T.I. or Stephen A. Smith use, and that word is precipitously. Did I pronounce that right, Angela Yee? Precipitously? Sounds right. Why you ain't ask me? Okay, pre please. Precipitously. All right, let's listen to what Mike Pence had to say. President and I have both spoken to Governor Kevin Stitt in the last several days and even earlier today. And Oklahoma has really been in the forefront of uh, our efforts to slow the spread. And in a very real sense, they, they flattened the curve. And today their hospital capacity is abundant. Uh, the number of cases uh, in Oklahoma uh, has declined precipitously. And uh, uh, we feel very confident uh, going forward. Now, precipitously means very steeply. So it's really, really, really declined, huh? Well, you know what? The celebrity in chief, Donald Trump, didn't use the word precipitously. All right, too big a word for him. 
But he said basically the same thing. Let's listen. Well, Oklahoma's done very well. I just spoke to the governor. He's very excited about it. Oklahoma's uh, at a very low number. They've done uh, really fantastic work. But Oklahoma's been a place that I think uh, one of the reasons we chose it is because of how well they because it's early, because of what a great job the governor and everybody else has done in Oklahoma. Okay, both Mike Pence and Donald Trump say it's all good in, in Oklahoma for their Klan rally. Masks are optional, including your hooded ones. Well, they said this about coronavirus declining steeply on Monday. Well, what is the actual coronavirus forecast in Oklahoma? Huh? What is actually going on with coronavirus in Oklahoma? We're asking one simple question here. Have cases in Oklahoma declined precipitously? Let's go to KOCO ABC5 for the report, please. In fact, cases have done just the opposite. Another record increase today. The one-week average now higher than it was back when the outbreak first peaked. Some suggesting, could this be because of more testing? In fact, total testing is down over the past two weeks compared to the two weeks before. Just listen to that. The same day Mike Pence and Donald Trump said that Oklahoma is declining steeply. I'm tired of pronouncing precipitously. Uh, Tulsa County sees highest single-day increase in coronavirus cases since the pandemic began. Pence and Trump absolutely need to wear a mask, not just to spread, the, not just to stop the transmission of the virus, but to hide their lying-ass facial expressions. Okay, America is on autopilot. We've been on autopilot. We just freestyling. This is a game of rhyme antics. Whatever the last word is that was uttered, find a way to freestyle it. I don't care if it was corona, police brutality, protest now, back to corona. Just pick a word and find something that rhymes with it. I am tired, okay? I don't know what to do in regards to corona. I am confused. I envy folks who are YOLO with it. I envy folks who don't believe in it and think it's a conspiracy theory and just be throwing caution to the wind and just be out here. But I'm not one of those people. I'm still in the house, okay? The way my anxiety is set up, the whole family is still quarantined. We might venture out towards the end of this month to go to another state where coronavirus cases are spiking, and that's South Carolina. But I don't know. All I would tell Oklahoma in every place where cases are spiking is this. Simple advice given to me by every older black person in my life since I was a child. Never trust a white man. That quote may be a broad generalization, but in the case of Donald Trump and Mike Pence, it's absolutely true. Please let Kathy Griffin give Aqua Girl, a.k.a. Mike Pence, the biggest hee-haw. Please give this giant jar of mail the biggest hee-haw. <coughs> yeah, man. Never trust a white man. Simple right. advice that could save your life. And also, too, I want to tell... Uh, South Carolina, this Friday and this Friday and Saturday, I'll be doing a, a free COVID-19 drive-through testing, okay, uh, at Benedict College's Charles W. Johnson Stadium from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. This Friday, June 19th and Saturday, June 20th is free COVID-19 drive-through testing. And when you pull up and get tested, we'll give you an essential supplies pack, which includes a face mask and hand sanitizer, soap, educational materials. And you know why you can trust me? Because I'm not a white man. All right. Thank you for that uh, donkey of the day. Up yes, next, man. Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call Yee right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. What you want to know? Baby mama issues? Need some words of wisdom? Call up now for Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. Come on, relationship advice need personal advice just need real advice call up now for ask ye keep the bread
Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Yeah, this is KD. KD, what's up, bro? What's your question for Yee? Really was really mad last week. Um, my ex-wife, we got a divorce. We uh, we stopped staying with each other when we moved. She's in the military. We moved to another state in August. That's when we split up. Uh, divorce was done in October. And then last week I found out that she moved in a guy in December to live with her and my kids. And I just found that out last week. Whoa. She didn't How did you find out? One, I found out by, um, because in, in our divorce, years, um, uh, and our decree is that basically when you are in a relationship or you starting one, that one, a background check got to be sent in. We supposed to meet the person, not approve of them, but just meet the person. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, uh, come December, uh, I, I saw a picture of hers. One of my uh, people sent me one of her Facebook posts of her taking a picture with a guy. And then my kids were taking a picture in the same area. So I asked her, I said, is this guy, but you got a guy around my kids. I haven't met him. And she was like, well, yeah, that's my fault. It was my birthday. I wanted to do that, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, okay, then we moved on. Two days after that, I go on her page and then go look at his page on Facebook and see that he's taking pictures around her house. Mm-mm. And then I asked her two days later, is this guy staying with you? And she finally going to sit there and admit that the guy's staying there. Then when this nope. pandemic hit, because I'm working, I decided not to be around my kids because I used to have them on the weekends. I was like, no. She's in the military. She's not working. They super quarantined. That's what I'm thinking. Right. But find out last week there's a man living in the house with my kids who's going to work, and she didn't say not one word to me. Wow, that's really, really disrespectful. Yeah, I don't know what other way. I don't. I don't know what to do because if that was the shoe was on the other foot, oh, I would be all up in court. As soon as I found out that the guy even uh, was around my kids. I met him ASAP, within five minutes. Okay, so you've met him. Right now. Oh, yeah, I met him. I wasn't mad at him because it wasn't his fault. And mm-hmm. then the guy didn't even know The guy didn't even know that I didn't know. He was like, bro, I didn't even know you didn't know I was here. Was she with him for a while before she moved him in? I do not even know. So he legally, know. if you wanted to legally, you could you could take her to court for this. Yeah, and that's what I got to, like, but my, my people was like, yeah, the Lord's just going to take your money. Right. And then, I mean, look, so how do you, so, okay, so you don't have a problem with the guy. You just don't like the fact that she didn't follow what y'all had agreed upon. Yeah, she did not follow of me meeting a person. That's all I wanted to do. And I met him. I told him my deal. He agreed. There was no issue. Well, at this point, you don't want to take her to court. You don't want to pay a lawyer and do all of those things and make this, that type of situation. But she is definitely dead wrong. And you need to express to her, look, at this point right now, you've done what you did, but this was not what our agreement was, and I'm not comfortable with how you went about things, and you need to have a conversation about that so that in the future, she's respectful of what she needs to do as somebody who, you know, you are a parent to those children as well, so you guys have shared responsibilities. And because you are respectful to what you guys agreed, agreed upon, she needs to respect that as well. And you need to make sure I'm yeah, moving forward because the main thing I would think is the children, right? It's not really about her. It's about you making sure your children are yeah. safe and that you know what's going right. on in their lives. And you need to let her know that. Yeah, and I've done, I done that. My thing is that this is not like the first little incident that she just do what she wants. 
The problem mm-hmm. is that she do whatever she wants. That's zero consequence. Maybe what this is something that you need to just make sure that you document so that in the future and let her know, be like, look, I am documenting these things. And the next time that something like this happens, I will take you to court. She's a military, so I did call her first sir. Hopefully they, that <laughs> I mean, that scares military people for some reason. I don't know why. Right. I would consult with a lawyer, not that you're going to take it to court right now, just so that you know what your options are. And then if there's some way that you can go on the record so that you have all of these things, even if you send her an email, just detailing everything and letting her know, I have an issue with you violating what our agreement was. These are the things that you did. And I'm giving you right now warning that if you do something else without following what we agreed upon, then I will pursue a legal recourse. I would do that. So that you that way you have it documented and that if she does something else, she knows that there will be some repercussions because it feels like there's no repercussions. So she's just going rogue. Yeah. All right. Good luck. Thank you, brother. All right. Ask All right. ye. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, hit ye right now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Ye. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Uh, I want to re- remain anonymous. All right, okay. bro. What's your name? Uh, my well, I, you almost I, said your uh, name. I'm just joking. I'm just joking, man. <laughs> What's your question for Yee, bro? All right, I'm a I'm a I'm a male, about 33 years old. Um, mm-hmm. I was in a situation. I was listening to Miss Abrams this morning, July, and um. You know, she had been in a situation where she, you know, she was intoxicated and and uh, taken advantage of allegedly. And uh, I had the same situation happen to me, and I got a child by the mom. And uh, I never, I never, well, I spoke about it to people in my circle. Even my wife, she doesn't, you know, never believed me. I mean, she kind of takes it lightly. Um, you know, men, men being raped uh, just isn't, mm-hmm. you know, heard of a lot. And um, I was just wondering, like, what could I do? It's, it's been since 2012. And uh, I was right. just wondering, what could I do uh, in that situation? Like, I never wanted to, you know, press charges or anything. And I was intoxicated, possibly drugged. I, I'm not sure, you know, mm-hmm. but I just kind of let it go, especially with me having a child. Um, it's just something that's always stuck with me. You know what? I think that it is important for you to be able to express yourself because, yes, this can happen and does happen to men as well. And I do feel like there are uh, spaces that you can go to to speak your truth. That's a safe space to, for, so that you can express yourself. And that's important to be able to do. Like a safe horizon is some place that you could um, actually go to. Also, RAIN, R-A-I-N-N. You should speak with them. That's the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. And they're available by phone. They're available online. You can talk to them also. And I, it is so important for you to be able to express yourself and get the proper tools that you'll need because you don't even know how this is affecting you. Right. Okay. Okay. I got to So look that up, rain.org. That's R-A-I-N-N.org because I want to make sure you have the proper tools to deal with this and to be able to express yourself. And, you know, I do appreciate you for calling us this morning because I know you're right. They don't discuss this too often with men. Right. And uh, I appreciate that. Safe Horizon and Rain.org. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I appreciate that. It, it took a lot for me to call in. I'm kind of nervous now, you know, just, just, just for speaking out about it, you know. Right. Well, I'm glad you listened to Sylvia's interview, and I'm glad that you felt 
empower, empowered enough to be able to call up and express yourself here on The Breakfast Club because we definitely want to make sure you have the platform to be able to do that. And I want to see you be heard and I want to see you get the help and the tools that you need to be able to move forward and to know that it was not your fault. Right, I hope a lot more, well, it was, I was intoxicated. <laughs> You know, right, it's I not your fault. Should. Whether you nobody should do that to you. If a person is not in the state of mind to be able to give consent, then that is rape. For sure, for sure. I hope a lot more, you know, people speak out, whether it be men or women. You know, um but I appreciate y'all taking my call and, and you know, I love y'all show. All right, thank you, brother. Thank, thank you. you. Eight hundred five eight five one oh five one, of course, ask ye. Now we got rumors on the way. Yes, and we'll be talking about Lecrae. He has some things that he wants to get off his chest about the interview that he did earlier this week. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Lecrae. It's this is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. So Lecrae ended up having a conversation with the pastor, Louis Gig- Giglio. I don't know how you say his name. Giglio, Giglio. And uh, people were very uncomfortable with him in that interview when these comments were made about slavery being a white blessing. People thought that he was okay with it because he was sitting there. Uh, and kind of nodding. Well, since then, Lecrae has this to say. First of all, I want you to know I wasn't okay with it. Um, even as I sat there, I was very uncomfortable and I was processing on like, man, how do I, what do I say in light of this? Um, I ended up having a conversation with him subsequently, you know, right after we talked. And then I talked to him again last night and um, and, and let him know my, my views and my perspectives. And obviously I, I wasn't okay with it. And we can't just be virtue signaling and doing this because it's the end thing to do to talk about race on platforms. Um, and I didn't have any ulterior motives other than to, you know, help and articulate, you know, some of what's going on in our world and in our culture. Now, I know y'all wanted Lecrae to challenge that guy on that. Um, but the only thing to be said is the white man's blessing has always been black people's curse. But that's a that's a fact. But I can totally understand how a white person would think their white privilege is a blessing. I can I can totally get why they would feel that way. But Satan, right, too. please remember that. Lecrae tweeted out the man's choice of words wasn't the best, but I got his point. Who's putting their career, freedom, and life on the line? Me. If anyone has the right to be upset, it's me. Grace and love lead me, though. He's learning. He's not shying away or silent, though. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And here is what the pastor, Louis Giglio, had to say. I, like so many, am so burdened about what is happening in our nation right now. And one of the things that I'm most heartbroken about is trying to help myself continue to learn and to help my white brothers and sisters understand that white privilege is real. And in trying to get that sentiment across on Sunday, I used the phrase white blessing, for which I'm deeply sorry. Horrible choice of words does not reflect my heart at all. I don't, to be clear, believe there's any blessing in slavery. Look, I mean, he also tweeted out pushback. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he also just, tweeted just, out not seeking to, to refer to slavery as blessing, but that we are privileged because of the curse of slavery and calling it a privilege benefit blessing. Word choice wasn't great. Oh, that's what the pastor said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right. And I mean, that's all Lecrae had to tell him. Lecrae had to say, look, your blessing was uh, the, a black person's curse. So, yeah, that's, that's, that, that was the challenge. But yeah, I would have just sat there and nodded my head. But maybe Lecrae was praying. Maybe Lecrae decided in that moment to pray for him right there. That's what I would have said if I was Lecrae. I'd have been like, <laughs> yes, I you would have said, I was actually praying for him. Right there, I was actually praying 
When I was saying, hmm, hmm, I was saying, amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> well, happy belated birthday to Gunna. He got a really nice present. Young Thug bought him a Rolls Royce for his 27th birthday. Gunna posted it. That big body Rolls coming. Young Thug, thank you, twin. Hashtag big. So, yeah, that was the Rolls Royce just buy a new car, though? That was a Rolls Royce colored. What'd you say? Mm-hmm. Didn't Gunna just buy a new car? Yeah, but he didn't uh, buy the Rolls Royce collection. Truck. But now he has another. Now he has one to the collection. Yeah. About 400000 That's a really nice present. Mm-hmm. All right, for you fans of 30 Rock, 30 Rock is returning to NBC for a remote one-hour special. And that's going to be happening next month. It will also double as an upfront special for the NBC Universal Properties. So that's going to air Thursday, July 16th. And it will feature the return of cast members Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan, Jane Krakowski, uh, and others reprising their roles from 30 Rock. 30 Rock's really funny. So I'll be interested uh, to watch that. Watch them working together, although remotely. Now, Tiana Taylor's Juneteenth album. That release is, uh, we've been discussing this, right? She's been putting out amazing music. And mm-hmm. who's going to be on that Juneteenth album? Well, and it's called The Album. Lauren Hill, Miss Lauren Hill will be on there. Missy Elliott, Erica Badu, Rick Ross, Quavo, Kilani, mm-hmm. Future, Davido, Big Sean, King Combs, Iman Shumpert, and of course, Junie will be featured as well. Listen, no secret I'm a Tiana Taylor uh, fan. I think Tiana Taylor gets busy. I think she's highly uh, highly entertaining on all levels. Uh, the album is dope. I, I got a chance to hit the album a couple months ago. Joint with Erica Badu. Joint with Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. Tiana got some, got, some, got, some, got some stuff. But the crazy thing What about Miss Lauren Hill? I want to hear that, too. The Lauren Hill record is dope. I thought it was... No, I don't want to say. But listen, uh, once again, I don't know why Tiana Taylor musically doesn't connect with people. The way that she should, because the music Absolutely. is always there. I have to say it's a label problem. I just have to. I I, I have to say it's a label problem because people. And like even as an table. entertainer, just her dancing, her videos, her presentation—that's what I'm saying—is amazing. But even like I said, this song I, I, that just I, came out, I love. You know, the the uh, we made graduation. it. Graduation. I think it's a great song. This is perfect for yes. the times. Like you know, I mean, I, I don't know I, why it hasn't been pushed the way it, it should be. I don't know. I think they should have gave Tiana Taylor money to do like a, a hour long movie, like how Beyonce did Lemonade, because Tiana's a beast with the visuals. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Do something like that, put the music together, and maybe it would have been received differently. But we'll see you on Friday. The, the album comes out Friday. Let's go get that. Let's support Tiana Taylor, people. Absolutely. All right. And lastly, Eva Marsalis leaving the Real Housewives of Atlanta after three seasons on the show. She did make the announcement yesterday. And she said she does appreciate the bond of friendship I've made with my castmates and strong personal relationships I have with numerous execs and producers at Bravo. And she's thankful for the opportunity. So she's not on there anymore. All right. I don't I'm know sure why she Nini's would come happy back about anyway. that because Nene doesn't like her. So yeah, I don't know why she would come back anyway because all they did was bully her the whole season that I seen her. It's a lot. Yeah, they they I'm they sure just that's, bullied her. I'm she sure got that's a baby. Stressful. She don't go through that stress. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. Wow. All right. Thank wow. you, Miss really Yee. To, y'all really trying to silence black women? What you mean? Y'all not gonna report that? Y'all not gonna report that? Aunt Jemima quit. Aunt Jemima is tired of just being on y'all pancakes. Aunt Jemima tired of working, y'all, working for y'all every morning, okay? Whenever you want pancakes, you just grab her and spread her on pancakes. Mm-hmm. And don't, 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 don't even ask if she wants to be on the pancakes. Yeah, yeah what it says here and, and, is that Quaker Oats is retiring it because its origins are based on a racial stereotype. That's right. And Jemima deserves a break. She deserves to be retired, okay? It's based so off a song, Jemima? Old Aunt Jemima from a minstrel show performer and reportedly sung by slaves. So who they gonna put on the unbox now? 
I don't know. Are you trying What's to buy for called? that position? What if know. they put a white person no, on the no. face of the box and then they called no. it a white name? Would you still eat it? Yeah, wouldn't taste the same. That syrup won't have no flavor. It doesn't have to have a face on it. It doesn't have to have a face. That's right. It is just syrup. All I know is nobody's free until Miss Butterworth is free, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, up next is the People's Choice Mix. Get your request in right now. It's Kendrick Lamar's birthday, so we start to mix off with some Kendrick Lamar. Happy Shout- born day to the God MC, Kendrick Lamar, leader of the new school when it comes to these, these, these rappers over the past 10 years. I don't care what nobody says. Drop on the clues bombs with Kendrick Lamar. Happy born day. I really appreciate that man's music. That man created a soundtrack for this moment that we're in. Five, six years ago. When did the Pimple Butterfly come out? I don't remember. About four, five years ago. Get it, Kendrick. Mm-hmm. So, That's my guy. I love Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Lamar. Let's get into that mix now. And also, uh, Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, shout to Sil Lai for joining us this morning. Yes, such an important conversation. And it really did inspire someone to call in for Ask Yee. He remained anonymous, but he said that hearing her story inspired him. And I hope that that was inspirational for a lot of people uh, to be able to feel like they can start to seek the help and the healing that you know that you need and to feel empowered to speak up. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to say uh, God bless Silai. I've never met her. Uh, Don't know the sister, but I am definitely going to pray for her today. Uh, I wish her the best. And I hope she finds the healing that she deserves. And um, I just want everybody out there to know that the Breakfast Club will always be open for anyone, especially black people, who have something to say. Because there are three sides to a story. And, you know, if we can get all three sides, I welcome all three sides. Even if the person only wants to speak to one of us, I am fine with that. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, but I do, I must say, Silai, I highly disagree with you thinking uh, Russell shouldn't have been on the show. The same way I would disagree with someone thinking you shouldn't be on the show. You know, if accusations are being made, people have a right to make those accusations and people have a right to reply to those accusations as well. So I'm sending you nothing but positive love and light, Silai. Even if you wish me the opposite. Well, she doesn't wish yeah, me well, the opposite. I don't, I don't And, and so. let's just I mean, make I sure, know. I want to make sure that people are also just making sure that you show love to Silai for everything that she's had to go through. If you watch on the record, and make sure you do. It's on HBO Max. It's out and it's available now for you to watch on the record. She actually went through a lot and she did try to take her own life and she did even kiss her son goodbye. And fortunately, you know, she went to the hospital and was able to recover from that. But I know it's still a lot of healing that has to happen and it's an ongoing process, but I'm glad that we were able to give give her a safe space where she could tell her side of the story. Right. And you can see the full interview on... Go ahead. No, I heard you say that this morning about how Silla tried to take her own life and, you know, as as a person who just had a friend commit suicide, you know, last week, Jasmine Waters... Yeah, I, I want everybody to get the healing they deserve. You know, you never know what people are going through. You never know what, you know, traumas people have experienced that, you know, they still have those pain bodies about. So, you know, I, I wish still lie nothing but the best. And and, for and people you know, saying, I see people on Instagram saying, you know, she sounds bitter. Uh, if you've been through what she's been through, you probably would sound like that, too. And I wouldn't call that bitterness. I would just call that hurt and anger and pain. And she has every right to feel that. And one thing I will say that she said in the interview that really struck me was the fact that giving up that anonymity that she had before when she had discussed this in books and she hadn't named Russell Simmons and now 
you know, people are taking away her name and just calling her Russell Simmons accuser or the woman who accused Russell Simmons of rape. And I can, uh, you know, we have to sympathize with the fact that she was out here successful writing books, you know, winning awards, essays and uh, doing the work already, working with Safe Horizon, working with the National Domestic Violence Hotline and all of that. And, you know, just to, to have to give up her identity in order for her to come forward, just make sure that when you discuss her, her name is Soli Abrams. She had uh, something to share and to talk That's about right. and make sure that her voice is heard and her identity That's right. is always right. and we, known. And this platform is open for, for people like her. Absolutely. All right. And you can hear the full interview on our YouTube page right now. So definitely uh, click the link and definitely listen to that. All right. Now, when we come back, we got the positive note. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time to get up out of here. Charlemagne, you got a positive note for the people. Yes, the positive note is simply this. It's just more of a reminder. It's kind of like an affirmation I put on my uh, social media this morning. For everybody out there, man, that's just trying to heal from their emotional trauma, uh, grow a business that's changing the world, uh, be the best person that you can be for the people you love, uh, forgiving the people who hurt, you, who hurt you, eating right, exercising, meditating, just keep growing and working hard to be the first in your family to break generational trauma patterns, okay? Stay on your path. That's all. Breakfast club, bitches. We all finished or y'all done?